Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. If you would, go and grab your copy of Scripture if you have it with you, and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. I'll give you a moment to get there. Judges chapter 13. If you're new to the Bible, that's towards the beginning, the Old Testament. Judges chapter 13. We'll pick it up in verse 21. Judges chapter 13, starting in verse 21 says this, now the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah or his wife again. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, we will certainly die for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear things like this at this time. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him when he was in Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshdael. This is God's word for us this morning. Let me pray for us and we'll begin. Father God, you are so good and gracious to us. God, we thank you every single day. You're so generous and so kind to us. Every single day you give new mercies and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for who you are. And Father, I pray that in the preaching of your word, that your people would be fed and that you would be glorified. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. What is good to be with you here uh, this morning. And I wonder if anybody in here agrees with me that there is nothing wrong with starting your meal right with a good appetizer. Can I get an amen? Good appetizer, right? Now, like where I come from in San Antonio, like, we, it, it, you, that little Texas trio of chips, queso, and salsa, come on now. Like, if the opening of your meal is good, you know the rest of it, you're good. Like, you're like, hey, if that queso is right, if that, that, that salsa is good, mm, we're, we're in a good place. My son, when he was young, one time asked me, he said, Dad, is queso a vegetable? <laughs> I said, maybe in heaven. I think that... I, Uh, You know, maybe God will do that for us. Um, Maybe you're familiar with other types of openings, right? If you play chess, there are certain openings to the game, right? There's the Italian game. There's the Sicilian defense. There's the Queen's Gambit, right? uh, An opening that's scripted to help you start the game strong. There's even openings for conversation, right? There are Christian pickup lines, And you say, Josh, can you share a couple with us? I will. I will. How about these? Is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. (laughs) You and me, we're like loaves and fishes. We just might be a miracle together. (laughs) One more? Okay, one more. Hi, I'm Will. God's will. Okay, no. (laughs) Don't open conversation that way. That's how not to open, okay? Not opening. 
I've titled the message today, Opening with Excellence, because that's what Judges chapter 13 gives us. Samson is an incredibly important figure in the book of Judges and in all of Scripture, but here we're given an entire chapter before Samson's born with his parents. I think it's really significant. You say, Josh, why are we talking about Samson and Judges? Well, if you're here this summer, uh, the first three Sundays of July, I will be preaching here through the life of Samson. So if you're here in July, yeah, love to have you here for that. So we're going to go through the life of Samson, the first three Sundays of July. But today, we're moving it back. We're seeing this whole chapter here with his parents. I think Scripture makes it clear that Samson's parents know what it means to open the right way, to begin the right way. And man, maybe you're about to start something new in life. We talked about all the graduations, right? Maybe you're about to step into middle school or high school. Maybe you're about to begin college or become a parent for the first time or a grandparent or a new job. Now, whatever it is you're about to begin, even if it's just summer, right? There, there's a way to do it right from the start. Three things we can see today about how to open with excellence. One, we trust his supreme greatness. Two, we obey his strategic instruction. And three, we receive his saving grace. All right, let's get into it. The first way to open anything with excellence is trust his supreme greatness. You're in Judges 13. Go to verse one with me. It says this. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. There was a man named Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was infertile and had not given birth to any children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are infertile and have not given birth, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. Jump to verse 5. For behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come on upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he will begin to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. All right, so let me set our context here. We're in Judges 13. What's been happening? Well, a particular cycle has been happening over and over again. You'll see it up here. This is what keeps happening in the book of Judges. The nation of Israel, the people of God, they sin and they fall away from God. And when they do that, they start to encounter God's discipline and the consequences of their sin. And oh, it's painful. And so what do they do? They cry out to God. And God graciously saves them. He sends a series of judges. Now, these aren't like, like how we think of, this is not like Judge Judy, you know, that kind of stuff. They, they, these are like military deliverers, like, a, like a, a champion who will be their judge, who will be their deliverer. And what happens is God does that, and then the cycle starts all over again. And you see this happening repeatedly throughout the book of Judges. Additional, uh, I want to give you some additional context as well. We're in Judges 13. What we're seeing here is, by this time, Israel's support of the judges starts to fall off. In the beginning of Judges, man, the people will form armies, and they back these judges, and they support them. Othniel and Ehud have armies of people supporting them. You get to Gideon. He has his army of 300. But you get to Samson, it's one guy. Their support of the judges falls off. Also, you'll notice we just read it, Israel, they don't even cry out to God anymore. 
They just, they fall under the, the, the hands of the Philistines and they're not even crying out. But God still graciously sends a deliverer. That's how good God is. But this is what's keep happening. The people keep falling back to sin. People are measuring right and wrong by their own opinions. The nation is spiraling downward because no one values God. No one worships God. No one obeys God. Am I talking about Israel? Am I talking about America in 2023? I don't know. And there's this phrase that's repeated several times in the book of Judges that really is like the theme. And it says this, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Samson's parents do the opposite. And that's how you open with excellence. That's how you begin anything correctly. You don't do what's right in your own eyes. You trust his supreme greatness. You don't lean on your own understanding. You follow God. And so if you're beginning something new in life, I would tell you, man, forget what the world says. Trust God's greatness. Another way to think of it this way, who do you have season tickets for? Who do you have season tickets for? Now, I'm not talking about like I have season tickets to the San Antonio Spurs. What I mean is who gets your yes before you even know what's happening? Who gets your yes before you even know what's happening, right? Like some examples. Um, some people have season tickets to Apple, right? Like Apple could release something and they're like, whatever it is, I'm buying it, right? Like Apple could say, we're gonna introduce the new paperclip, the iClip. And people are like, oh, you got my money, I'm in, right? Season tickets. Some people have season tickets for Michael Jordan shoes, which is wise because we know he's superior than LeBron, so that's good. Um, but like, they don't even know what the shoe's gonna look like and they're like, I'm in. Season tickets, right? Some people have season tickets for Taylor Swift and it crashes the internet. I can't even get a picture, right? She could, like, they don't even know what her album's gonna be. I'll give you a hint. It's like, I'm breaking up with this boyfriend too. Like, and they're like, hey, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm in, right? Season tickets. I'll give you two from my childhood. Man, season tickets. I had season tickets for Hank the Cowdog and Calvin and Hobbes. Can I get an amen? All right. All right. Okay, good. Like, every year, Scholastic would come to a book fair at our school for one day. I don't know what they did the rest of the year, but like that one day, they would come, and if they had a new Hank the Cowdog or a new Calvin and Hobbes, you've got my money, right? Like, or my parents' money, right? <laughs> Season tickets, right? They, it's something has your yes before you even know what's going on. That's what Manoah and his wife have with God. Man, they're all in. They have season tickets with God. I wanna show you five ways we know this, right? Five ways we see it. Number one, they trusted in spite of tough circumstances. Infertility. Man, I've seen this with my own sister for the last 12 years. That is a hard road to walk. And they trust God in spite of that. Number two, they trust together. It's not one or the other, they're together in this. And we're gonna see some more of that. Number three, they trust with precision. When Manoah's wife tells him what the angel says, she says it exactly right. They have it, they get it right. Number four, they trust with whole hearts and that they never doubt. And we'll see that in a moment as well. And number five, they trust that he is able. 
that he's able. And I'll just give you a newsflash. If God tells an infertile woman that she will have a baby, go ahead and start buying diapers right now. If God tells a blind man to, he's going to receive his sight, but he's going to be seeing things. If God tells a dead man to come out of the grave, get out of his way. We can say it this way, God is supremely great, and he is worthy of your trust. He's worthy of you having season tickets with him. One of the coolest verses in this chapter, look at this, verse 11 and 12, the angel of the Lord returns to them, and this is how it goes. Manoah got up and followed his wife, and when he came to the man, the angel of the Lord, he said to him, are you the man who spoke to the woman? And he said, I am. Then Manoah said, now, look at this, when your words are fulfilled. When, not if, not maybe, when your words are fulfilled. In other words, he, he was putting his whole trust. He says, okay, I'm in. When your words are fulfilled. That's trust in the greatness of God. That's season ticket trust right there. Some questions to think about here, some questions to consider. One, where do I have opportunities to trust in God's greatness in my own life? Have I bought into a season ticket mindset with him? Secondly, have I been doing what is right in my own eyes? What would it look like for me to fully trust God and not my own abilities? The first step to opening with excellence, man, you trust his supreme greatness. Secondly, you obey his strategic instruction. Go with me to verse three and four again. The angel says, behold, now you are infertile and have not given birth, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. And now be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Verse 13, and the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, the woman shall pay attention to all that I said. She shall not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. She shall keep all that I commanded. And you know, from what scripture tells us, parent, uh, Samson's parents stuck to this. They did what they were told. There's no mention of any disobedience or flaw in, in their upbringing of Samson. Now, if you're here in July, we're going to cover his life. And spoiler alert, Samson's going to make some bad choices as a grown-up. But you know what? The Bible never, never lays that responsibility on his parents. They did what they could. They did. They raised him in the admonition and the instruction of the Lord. And so parents, just let that be an encouragement to you as well. We know his parents did it right. James 1.22 says this, prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. That's what his parents did. They heard a word from the Lord and they said, okay, we're not just gonna hear it, we're gonna do it. And they stepped into it and they raised him this way. And I would say additionally, this shows us something as well. Obedience is easier when you are connected with others who are pursuing it as well. Obedience is easy. That's why we're called to be the church. That's why you're called to, to not do the Christian life alone. Obedience is easier when you're walking with others, you're connected to others as well. One other verse I want to show you, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, look at this, equipped for every good work. You say, Samson's parents received a word from the Lord. Guess what? We have too. It's his word. This is the instruction God gives us. It is there to equip you and me for whatever we step into in this life. 
In my college days and post-college days, there was a very popular video game called Halo, and that was kind of like the game of choice for a long time, but post-college, 2007, a new game comes out. It's a phenomenon. It's called Call of Duty, and uh, it really starts to hit, and now I think there's like Call of Duty runs the world, or I don't know, like millions and millions of people play this game now, uh, this video game, but but back in 2007, they did something that was pretty new at the time. They introduced the idea of loadouts. And a loadout is where before the game began, you could select the equipment and the guns and all the stuff that you were going to take in there. You could customize it. This was kind of a new thing at that time. So if you're a person who liked to you know, use a sniper rifle, you could customize it. Maybe you like the heavy firepower, you, you could customize it all your equipment, everything, you could set it just how you want, and then you go into the match. And it was so much fun. I was like, oh, I'm going to customize this and all that. It still didn't matter. I was terrible at Call of Duty. But in a similar way, that's the encouragement of Judges chapter 13 and 2 Timothy, what we just read, right? It says, the Word of God is there to equip you for every good work. So we could say it this way, let God set your load out, as it were. His word is the right weapon, and his instruction is the right equipment for whatever you are beginning. Man, seek him in his word. He will direct your paths. Some questions to consider here. Am I taking the time to properly prepare myself with time in God's word as I begin whatever it is you're about to begin? Secondly, where do I have opportunities to connect with other believers around the word? How can I encourage and challenge them? So to open with excellence, first, you trust his supreme greatness. Secondly, you obey his strategic instruction. Finally, receive his saving grace. Go with me to verse 17. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat and the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, and he, the angel, performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Why? Because here's a big reveal for us. This wasn't just any angel. The Bible, when it's specific, when it says the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. He does it five or six times. This is Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. And they realize it and they fall on their face. As we start to see this, we're looking at this story here in Judges 13 about some parents who find out they're going to be expecting, guess what? We're starting to see how all of it points to the story, the gospel of Jesus. I'll give you a couple ways. Let's talk about the wonderful angel of the Lord. This is Jesus appearing before them. Number one, we see that his name is wonderful, right? He says in verse 18, he says, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Guess what? That's the promise given in Isaiah about the Savior, the Messiah, right? We hear it at Christmas. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name is wonderful. 
But it doesn't stop there. He does wonderful things. Verse 19, right? It says, he stood before them and he performed wonders. He showed them things they could have never seen. Not only is his name wonderful, but the things he does is wonderful. Think of how Peter describes the life of Jesus in Acts 2.22. He says, Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. This word wonder in the Hebrew means incomprehensible, a category all of its own. So his name is wonderful. He does wonderful things. And three, we would say his gospel is wonderful. Think of the little breadcrumbs already we're seeing here from Samson's birth pointing us forward to Jesus. The the similarities between Samson and Jesus. A couple I'll give you here. Jesus' birth, like Samson, was foretold by an angel. His mother, like Samson, was first contacted by the angel. He will be born, like Samson, when Israel is under the dominion of a foreign power. His birth, like Samson, will require a divine miracle of God. And the angel says, Jesus, just like Samson, will deliver Israel. Man, all these breadcrumbs pointing us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We could summarize it this way. The story of Samson, even from his birth, is pointing to Jesus. Samson would be born to save Israel from Philistines. Jesus would be born to save people from their sins. But I would tell you, we have more than just breadcrumbs. We have something that's pretty awesome here. We have something more. And to get us there, I want you to think about Kevin McAllister, who spent a Christmas home alone. One of the great Christmas movies, right? Too bad AC ain't charged no more, right? Like, I want you to think about Kevin McAllister and his relationship with old man Marley, okay? Now, let, let me walk you through it. Kevin's first view of old man Marley is, whoa, he is a mysterious and dangerous man, right? If you've seen the movie, Kevin's brother tells him he's the South Bend shovel slayer or something like that. And and old man Marley is seen as this scary, foreboding figure. And so Kevin's view is old man Marley is mysterious and he's dangerous. But then he has a meeting with old man Marley at the church where I kid you not, old man Marley's hands are scarred. There's more here going on in this movie if you watch it closely, right? And he finds out, oh, he's actually kind and compassionate. He cares. He's not at all like I thought he was. It's a different view. And then finally, at the end of the movie, things look really bad for Kevin. The wet bandits have him pinned on the wall and all seems lost. And who comes in but old man Marley with his shovel, bop, bop, knocks the dudes out, saves Kevin. And now Kevin's view is complete. He says, yes, old man Marley is mysterious and dangerous. Don't let him get his shovel. He's a problem, right? But at the same time, he's also kind and caring and compassionate. It's a beautiful picture of how having one view or the other, you need the complete picture. You need the complete picture. And that's what Kevin gets by the end of Home Alone. And I would tell you, that's exactly what Samson's parents get right here. Let me walk you through it. Verse 21, when the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, look at this, Manoah realized it was the angel of the Lord 
We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. So let's break it apart. Manoah, what does he dwell on? He dwells on God's holy wrath, that God is a holy God. And he basically says, look, we're sinners. We can't stand before a holy God. We're doomed. By the way, it's the same exact reaction that the prophet Isaiah has when he comes to the presence of the Lord. He says in Isaiah 6, verse 4, he says, woe is me. I'm ruined. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When people come into the presence of a holy God, man, it, it is a serious thing. It is a serious thing. And that's what Manoah is focusing on, God's holiness and his wrath. But his wife is focused on something else. She's focusing on God's gracious love. She basically says, look, though we're unworthy, he's accepted a sacrifice on our behalf. He has a future for us. That's the graciousness of God. 1 Peter 2.24 talks about our sacrifice. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you are healed. There's the grace of God as well. This is another reason to do church together so that you're not just left with one piece of the picture. You need the full picture. And other believers can help you to grasp the full picture. And man, guess what? Him and his wife, they have the full picture of God. Yes, God is holy. He will not tolerate sin. But at the same time, he is gracious. And though we're unworthy, he has accepted a sacrifice on our behalf. He has a future for us. We could summarize it this way. When Jesus goes to the cross, he will take upon himself God's holy wrath toward your sin, towards mine, so that you may know his gracious love. Receive his saving grace. It's the gospel of Judges 13. Some questions to consider here. How do I view God? How do I view God? And what has shaped my view of him? Have I taken the time to investigate him in his word and ask questions of other believers? Secondly, Judges 13, like all of scripture, reveals Jesus to be wonderful and gracious. Have I received his offer of amazing grace in my own life? How is it changing me today? We've seen three things today about how to open anything with excellence. Number one, you trust his supreme greatness. Number two, you obey his strategic instruction. And number three, man, you receive his saving grace. Let me close this way. In football, when the offense lines up for a play, they cannot advance down the field until the ball is snapped, right? If, if one of the offensive players starts early, Boom, it's a penalty. The, the play is dead. The ref throws a flag and they call a penalty. It's called a false start. And like football is heavy into shame. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but like they literally have a guy who will come on, turn on his mic and tell everybody who messed up, right? They're like, uh, number 78. Yeah, you buddy. He false start because of him, they're backing up five yards. Like, wouldn't that be weird if they did that in your job? Okay, Kevin. Kevin turned in illegal reports. 
his Excel spreadsheet was not the way it needed to be. No, no, Kevin, everybody back up like, it'd be weird, right? Football is shame, like it's just weird to watch it. But that's the rule, right? If you mess up the start, you're penalized. You get called out. Here's a question. Have you ever tried to begin something spiritual, something for God, something God-focused in your life? You're like, okay, I'm going to do this, and then you mess up? I mean, come on. It's May. How many of you had like a a, a spiritual goal, a New Year's resolution? This is going to be the year I read through the Bible. And by January 5th, you're like, okay, I missed two days already. (laughs) Anybody? Okay, just me? All right, okay. And what happens? The shame comes in. All right, false start. The enemy wants to tell you, false start. You messed it up. You messed it up. And then you'll, you'll get these crazy thoughts. Tell me if you've ever had this. Like, I was like, one year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna read the Bible by this date. And man, I start out strong, and then I mess it up. And you get the weird thought, okay, I guess I have to wait till next year to try again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's a lie from the devil. Why? Why can't you just pick it back up and start again? Man, the thought I want to leave you with today, today is the right day to start. Today is the right day to start. Maybe it's time to start up. You've been sitting in park for way too long. It's time to get that engine going. God has put something in your heart. He's given you something to pursue. Get it out of park and let's go. Start up. Maybe today it's to start over, to confess, to repent, to leave sin behind, to receive his grace and his forgiveness, and to know that you can stand back up and get going again. Maybe you need to start over today. Finally, you just need to start now. Whatever God has given you, step into it today. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised next January to start again. Start now. What the Lord has put in your heart, go into it. Open with excellence and pursue the things of God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promise. I thank you for your character that we can see, just like Manoah and his wife, that we can know that you're holy and at the same time you're gracious. You're gracious to sinners who don't deserve it. We thank you for that. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that they would start up, start over, start now that today would be a day they start something for your name, for your glory, and they would see the awesome things that you're gonna do in their life. Lord, we love you. Hear us now as we sing to you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.